Hi, I'm Caleb, and I'm the student pastor here at Bethel. I have the opportunity to speak today, and we're going to look at the life of Daniel to see what his life shows us about standing up for God. So take a moment now to prepare your heart for today's service. Hey, let's pray and prepare our hearts for the word. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to celebrate you. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. And now, God, as Pastor Caleb opens up your word and shares from it with us today. Help us to be challenged. Help us to be equipped. Help us to be encouraged. And help us to go in the strength of your word and use it throughout this week. God, let us not just hear it today and forget it when we walk out the doors. Let us hear it today, God, and let us uh, take it with us and let us uh, let it work through our life and through our uh, everything we do throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I appreciate that. Oh, good morning, everyone. Um, So this morning, we are going to start in the book of Romans, but our main passage today is going to be found in the book of Daniel. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Daniel, that's fine. I'm going to read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this morning, um, we're going to look, like I said, at the book of Daniel. And the title of my message this morning is Stand Up. Okay. I was afraid everyone was just going to stand up and it was going to be really awkward. I had nothing else after that. But we're going to be looking and talking about how we ought to take a stand for God. Um, Starting in Daniel chapter 1, we see that there are four Israelite boys. They were kind of taken into um, Babylonia as slaves. They were some of the smartest, some of the wisest and healthiest of the Israelites. And they were taken to slavery. They, and we're going to read how they took a stand for God. There was four of them. Y'all may know them as Daniel um, and the lion's den. And then his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When I was thinking about this, I am um, working on this and reading about this. This thought came to my mind. I don't know if any of y'all like VeggieTales or played VeggieTales. Y'all remember? But um, who was it? Mac Shack? Mac? Rack, Rack, Shack, and Benny, and the Chocolate Bunny. Y'all remember? Um, So that's kind of what my mind went to, but I am such a child. But I think, hey, but we remember those things that we were taught. We remember the things that, um, as we were kids, but as I've grown, I've learned the importance of going back and reading and going back and looking at these stories that you have been, you've heard over time that you've just gotten so comfortable with. But in reality, you may not really know and understand the true meaning. So that's why it's important to go back and read stuff. And even the things that we're going to talk about this morning, if you take notes or even want to go back sometime today or sometime this week and look at the things that we talked about. But looking specifically right here at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 through 20. I have a lot of reading this morning, so please bear with me. But we're going to get through it. Um, so they take, they take these Israelites, um, these young men, they take them to um, Babylon, Babylon, 
goodness, I'm sorry, Babylon. And um, the king wants to to make sure that, hey, these, these, these young men, they need to go through training. We need to make sure that we have the best of the best. We need to make sure that we have um, essentially the best people that we're training and pouring into and teaching. And so that when they come in to basically the royal kingdom, that they know what they're doing, they know what they're talking about, and they're prepared. But there are some things that the king wants these young men to do that does not align with what Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego believe in. And this is where we're going to pick up in verse 8 of Daniel chapter 1. It says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God has called, had called the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with those of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. In verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who, were, who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of this time, set by the king... To bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. So the first point that I want us to look at this morning is when you stand for God, others notice. When you stand for God, others notice. Daniel chose not to defile himself by eating from the king's table by drinking the choice wine because he knew that that did not align with what he believed, what he stood for, what his God stood for. And what I think is very important of how we can apply that in our life is there's going to be a time where we face face things that don't align with what we believe in. We don't, things that don't align with what this, this book says, God's word says, or what God has told us. And there's going to be a time where that faith and that relationship is tested. And sometimes if we were honest, it, we would just say that it's easier just to kind of go with the flow, do what everyone else is doing, do what everyone else says is okay. But if you look at God's word and we read it, we see from this passage that when we stand for God, others notice it. They noticed that they looked healthier. They noticed that they looked better. They noticed that, and even it says that the king said that they were ten times better than all the other magicians and enchanters. People start to notice when we live differently. People start to notice when our relationship with God is different. And later on we see in in the scripture, if we go on, that King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. No one else could interpret the dream, but Daniel could interpret it. Um, 
um, he, he went to the, the king, went, King Nebuchadnezzar went to the astrologers and basically they're supposed to be his best guys. And he's like, I want you guys to interpret this dream for me. And they were like, okay, well, what was the dream? Right. If you tell me the dream, I can tell you what it means. Um, but the king wanted something else. He said, no, I want you to tell me what my dream was as well as interpret it. They, they kept trying, kept trying, kept asking the king, well, just tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. I don't know about you guys, but if you came to me and said, Hey, I had this dream, I could interpret it. It wouldn't be difficult. I could tell you what it means. You had a dream about, I don't know, a tree. Well, go climb a tree. Right? It's not difficult. You tell me what, but that's what the king wanted. The king wanted them to not only interpret it, but he wanted to test them and see if they could tell him what the dream actually was. And because they could, could not do it, the king began, became frustrated. And he decided that all the wise men were going to be executed since they couldn't do their job. And guess what? Guess who fell in that category? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Daniel goes to his friends and he's like, guys, we got to pray. We got to ask God to, to show us something, to give us something so that we can go to the king and interpret this dream for him. So they begin to pray. They begin to fast. And God gives, um, gives Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understanding of the king's dream and also kind of showed Daniel in a vision what the dream was. But one thing that I really like, and this is not necessarily part of it, but in, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 24, it says this. It says that Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. And he said to them, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret his dream for him. But what I love for that about that is that Daniel realized and recognized, hey, I know these guys don't believe what I believe. These other people, these other wise men, they we're not, not all on the same page. But I still care about them enough to go to the king. I still care about them enough to go to the king, interpret his dream for him. Because I don't know about you guys, but I easily would have been like, hey, um, so I can interpret your dream. My buddy's with me, but those guys couldn't do it. And they're like kind of weird. So go on with your plan, but let us kind of have, have a little leeway on that. But Daniel didn't do that. Daniel's not like me. He went and saved the whole group, not just the individual. He was looking out for everyone and he was there. And one of the things that I think that Daniel recognized and realized is that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Daniel knew that these people did not agree with him, and he did not necessarily agree. And they didn't agree with him, he didn't agree with um, But what was important to know is that Daniel knew that his battle was not against them. His battle was was against something else. And I think that a lot of us struggle with that. Because some of us use what God has given us as a means to put others down. To take advantage of the other people. Where in reality, if we stood for God, it didn't matter what you believe. It didn't matter what you think. At the end of the day, I love you. And we, we, can, we can have a conversation and we can be friends, right? Because Daniel knew that I'm working with these people. I care about these people enough. I'm not going to let the king just kill us all. But I'm, I, I pray to God. God answered my prayer. And I'm not going to keep that 
and use that to my advantage. I'm going to use it to help others. And later on in this in this passage, in this um, after Daniel interprets the dream, um, then the king is is amazed by what what Daniel did. But it wasn't Daniel as we know; it was God, and, and he gave God credit. But right after this, I love in, sometimes in scripture you see this, but it's like someone gives God credit, and then they go back to their old ways, right? So the king gives God credit, talks how greatly God is, but then he, he sets up this huge golden statue, or the chocolate bunny, you know? It's, he sets up this huge golden statue, and what, he, what he, his intentions were was he wanted all the nations to come and worship it. But God's great, right? Okay? But, and he said, he put out this decree, if you not worship the statue, be thrown into, the blazing, into a blazing furnace. But there were three Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that would not bow down and worship this idol. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 18, says this. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? I love the response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And not only that, but he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. When I read this, there's a lot that comes with that. We see the faith that these young men had. The faith that they knew that God would save them. But even if he didn't, they still were not going to conform to what the world had to offer. Still not conform to what the king wanted them to do. Church, this morning, I don't know what all of you face on a daily basis. I have an idea, but this world has a lot. Your workplace, sometimes your home, the grocery store, driving through traffic. It's a lot. But what I know and what I see when I read the scripture and what we're talking about this morning is when we stand for God, he'll stand with you. And I know that because of the next part. The Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. 
he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Verse 24. I love this. I'm explaining why I love this. Hold on. But it says, the king, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? I don't know why, but when I hear the word leaped, I think of like a kid. Right? Men jump. Alright? Right? Y'all know that. Men jump. So if this king is going to act childish about this whole situation. He didn't get his way. So he's upset. He's going to try to kill him. He leaped. That's how we know he's childish, right? He leaped. Um, But Nebuchadnezzar then approached. Oh, I'm sorry. He said, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men not sitting, walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. When you stand for God, he will stand with you. When you stand for God, he will stand with you. So so Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. I don't know about y'all, but if I was those guys, I'd probably be hiding. Because I'm the reason kind of they're in there. And their God rescued them. And they're like, wow. I'd be like, oh, you know, we got to hide. But no, they were filled with amazement. There was no, here's, here's what's really crazy. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I want to talk a little bit, kind of what Pastor Javen came up and shared earlier. The enemy thinks that when he ties the ropes tighter, when he turns the fire seven times hotter, you're going to give up. That's what the enemy thinks and that's what the enemy wants. But what I hope you know and realize is that no matter how hot the fire is, no matter how tight the ropes are, God is in your situation with you. He's with you in your hurt, your pain, your situation, your battle. God is with you. And it would have been so easy for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be like, hey, you know, it's not that big a deal. We can just bow down. We can. It's not that. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I'm not trying to die today. Um, But when we stand for God, he will stand with you. And he's not just going to stand on the outside. We see that he was walking around on the inside of the furnace with them. He wasn't standing at a distant distance. He wasn't watching from far away. He was in the fire with them. Later on, after all this happened, obviously, King Nebuchadnezzar, being who he is, he had another dream. This man's a dreamer. Um, he had another dream. Daniel came and interpreted his dream. His dream was fulfilled. Then a new king arrived 
on the scene. Um, it was his son. And, at, and, and when his son stepped into the, the role of king, he, he threw a banquet. It says they were drinking wine, um, having a, basically having a party. And all of a sudden, a hand appears and starts writing. You know that you should not be drinking, especially when a hand appears. <laughs> Cut it off. All right. I'd be out. Um, but a hand appears on the wall or appears and starts writing on the wall. And all I can envision is like the thing from the Adams family has like crawled up the wall and starts writing. Right. So that happens. Um, there's a message that's written on the wall. They, they, they tell Daniel to come interpret what it means because obviously they don't know what it means. They're still think they're going crazy from the hand. Um, but look, if y'all have ever been skeptical about reading the Bible, go to Daniel. All right. There's a hand on the wall. I mean, a hand floating, writing on the wall. There's a furnace. Later on, we're going to see that there was a lion's den. If anyone has a lion's den, um, it's not normal. But Daniel is a good place to start. So they're having a banquet, hand appears, Daniel comes and reads the inscription on the wall. And after that, King Nebuchadnezzar's son kind of gets kicked out and King Darius comes in. And this is where we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 6. And this is probably a super popular passage about Daniel and the lion's den. But this was with King Darius and, and Daniel and they spark up this friendship. They, Daniel works under King Darius and he's like his right hand man and they... they um, They have a really good friendship. In Daniel 6, chapter 3, that's what it says. It says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king had planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Verse 4, This, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. In his conduct of government affairs. They try to find something wrong. And this is what it says. It says, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him. Because he was trustworthy. And neither corrupt. Nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. Unless it has something to do with the law his God. How would you feel if that was the only way someone could find something bad against you? Was if they found something wrong with your God? I'm not perfect, but that seems pretty how I want it to be. The only way that you could find fault in me is if you found fault in my God. But that's how they, that's how consistent Daniel was in his position, his character and his God, that they could not find anything, anything wrong. It says, so these administrators and satraps went to a group, went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps and advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any other God or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. 
Now your majesty issued this decree and put it in writing that it cannot be altered. In accordance with the law of the, of the Meds and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. That's what it says. It says, now then Daniel learned that this decree had been published. You will not believe what this dude did. He went home to his upstairs room where the window opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Darius. Oh, I'm sorry, found Daniel praying and asking God for help. During the times of confusion, during the times of not understanding, a lot of us just give up. Well, I ain't trying to go to jail. I'm not trying to be thrown in the lines then. <laughs> um, but it says Daniel went home and prayed, asking God for help. Praying and talking to God is not difficult. Sometimes all we got to say is help. God, I need you. What am I supposed to do? It's not difficult. And this is my last point. And I'm going to wrap up if Frontline wants to come on up here. In, um, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 16, it said later on, obviously, they saw Daniel praying. They took Daniel. They arrested him. They're about to throw him in the lion's den. It says, so that the king gave order. They told Darius, King Darius what happened. So the king gave order. And they brought Daniel and threw him in the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with, with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel, Daniel's situation may not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. Verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den, where he came near the den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an astonished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? 21, Daniel answered. Just the fact that he answered, right? Is that not crazy? Just the fact that he answered, Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. stand for God, he will be your defense. Daniel didn't go down there with with a knife. Daniel didn't go down there with a slingshot. Daniel didn't go down there with a weapon. No, he didn't need to because God had his back. God was his defense. When you stand for God, he will be your defense. And church, I just want to remind you, 
No matter how your day goes, no matter how your week goes, no matter how hot the fire gets, no matter how tight the ropes are, no matter how many lions are in the den, when you stand with God, he will stand with you. Can we stand up and worship that God this morning? If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.